0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: You have the mind of Christ presently, so let's realize it, and let's live it out, and let's remember that it's a calm mind, because we're trusting the Lord, that it's the mind that's not set on myself, but my concern is for others. It's the mind of Christ that manifests itself in gentleness and humility.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16, in a message titled, The Mind of Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: Like, I, I had no understanding of any of this stuff. It didn't make any sense. I mean, how many people have said stuff like this? You know, yeah, I had friends who were believers and they would witness to me and my grandmother, you know, would pray for me and talk to me about Jesus. And it just like went in one ear and out the other. It just, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't mean anything. And then as the story goes on and then, and then suddenly, it's like, man, it was like, wow. I, I just, I suddenly got it. I suddenly saw it. It kind of reminds me of the, the conversion story of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was an atheist. He, he went through sort of a, a process of conversion in a sense because he went from atheism, first of all, to theism. So he went from you know, disbelieving in God. He was a, pretty much a Marxist and an atheist. And then there, there came a point, and he describes this relentless pursuit of the spirit like that that hound of heaven just tracking him down and he and he comes and he tells a story about how one night in his uh study he bowed his head and he admitted that there was a god and he said he did so as the most reluctant convert in all of england he just never he did but he, it was inescapable he couldn't avoid it it was like yeah the you know he's following the evidence wherever it leads and this is where it led him but then at a later point he tells a story of his conversion from theism to actual faith in christ and as, as he tells the story it it's kind of humorous because He's on his way. I I can't remember if it was a zoo or he was going somewhere in a car. But he says he left, you know, wherever he was on his way to the zoo. He left as a theist and he arrived at the zoo as a Christian. And he doesn't even know what happened. He just knew that suddenly he knew. See that, thats what Paul's talking about here. This is a—it's a supernatural thing, and this is what Christianity is. It's—it's it's a supernatural thing. It's the Spirit of God giving us understanding, and until that happens, we're clueless. Until that happens, we're—we're—we just remain in the dark. And so he says, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment for who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him. So he's saying that the person with the spirit, when he says makes judgment about all things, doesn't mean that we just naturally, because of the spirit, we know everything. The all things are the things pertaining to God and and who God is. But then he says that this person is not subject to merely human judgment. So the reason the unbeliever thinks it's foolish and judges those who trust in Christ as fools is because they don't have the capacity of the Spirit. To them, it's just, this makes zero sense. And so in, in many ways, it's just a reminder to us. What Paul is doing here is he's reminding us of the supernatural reality of the message, that this is indeed wisdom, but it's not the wisdom of the world. It's a different wisdom. It's a higher wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. Because again, as we said, all of man's accumulated wisdom, and in the context of, helping us live better. I mean, we have accumulated knowledge through which we make advancements in technology and all of those wonderful kinds of things. But then when it comes to even all of the accumulated wisdom of man, we can't figure out how to stay married. We can't figure out how to not lie or cheat or steal. We can't figure out how to not be selfish we, we, none of those things that we can't figure any of that out. And those are the real important things, right? All the other stuff is just, okay, fine. I'm glad we got that machine. That's fantastic. But it can't help you from, prevent you from hating your neighbor and wanting to kill him. Man's accumulated wisdom cannot do what we need to have done. But the wisdom of God can and does. Now, we have, he says, finally, the mind of Christ. And like I said, I wanted to kind of camp out here. I won't be too long, but let's think about this for a moment. Paul is saying to Christians, we have the mind of Christ. Now, in some ways, this is as, as we will see as we go on in Corinthians, and even as we maybe think about our own selves, this is a I mean, it's, it's a reality that he's reminding them of, but it's a bit of an indictment as well. Because when you look at the, the Corinthians, and even in the context of what we're talking about here, for people who have the mind of Christ, their thinking is all messed up. So Paul, it's a bit of an indictment. Like, can't you guys get it together? I mean, you actually have the mind of Christ. How is it that... Even though you possess the mind of Christ, you're obviously not applying it. You're not being instructed by it. You're not living accordingly. So let's talk just real quickly about the mind of Christ. What does that look like? Ideally, because again, we do have the mind of Christ because we put our faith in Christ. But the possibility and sometimes even the norm is that we have the mind of Christ, but we don't behave like we have the mind of Christ. Because if, if you really think about having the mind of Christ, that's gonna, it's going to impact how we live, right? So what does it look like to have the mind of Christ? Well, let's think about Christ himself. What is the mindset of Jesus? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He basically said that he's gentle and he's humble. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Okay, wow. So the first thing we see is that the mind of Christ, we possess the mind of Christ and as we walk in the reality of that, that is going to lead to a gentleness and a humility. We know also that The mind of Christ led him to serve rather than to be served. That great passage in Philippians 2, Paul writes, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who... Being by very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So the mind of Christ, the person who, who has the mind of Christ and who realizes that and is, is you know, being influenced by that. And that, that's being assimilated into their lives. So that's a, a person who's gentle and humble and servant-oriented and Thirdly, it, it's a person who, I would say, is calm-minded, calm-minded in the, in the face of the storm. This is a quote from Psalm 16 that's applied in Acts 2:25 by Peter to Jesus. "I keep my eyes always on the Lord. with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken." I will not be rattled. I will not be unsettled. Or I will be calm. So the mind of Christ is a calm mind. Fourthly, the mind of Christ is a spiritually informed, spirit enlightened mind. Now remember, we have the mind of Christ, so think about this. A scripturally informed, spirit enlightened, wise perspectives and decision making. So our, our perspectives on things and our decision making are going to be wise because they're scripturally informed and they're spirit enlightened. So Jesus was scripturally informed. It says at least 10 times in the new testament that christ he did it more than this but but specific uh quotations from scripture at least 10 times jesus said it is written so as we go through the gospels one of the things we see about jesus is he was saturated in the scriptures and then of course we know that he was uh empowered he was enlightened by the spirit the spirit of the lord is upon me and so This is what it is to have the mind of Christ. If we're really living and walking in the mind of Christ as we're invited to, as we're called to, then our perspectives and our decisions are going to be wise. I do believe, though, that part of our problem, let's talk about being scripturally informed for a moment. Part of our problem is that we don't really know the scriptures like we think we do you know there's there's a lot of people that can quote bible verses and they they maybe even have like a thousand bible verses committed to memory but you know when you really get down to it it's all sort of random the bible verse and and it it might be I, i mean the bible verse is true but you know, we have to understand that every verse has a context. So we might think that the Bible says something because we know this verse. But when we see it in its context, we go, oh, wait, wait, that that seems like it means something else. Yeah, it actually probably does mean something else. I've had this experience myself. Where, you know, I just am assuming, I I know this verse. I've never really thought so much about what came before it or what came after it. I just know this verse. It's a great verse. And then suddenly you see it in its context and you're like, wait a second. I didn't think that that meant that. So we have to, when we're talking about being scripturally informed, we need to make sure we're really scripturally informed in the sense that we understand the scriptures in their context that we understand first of all that they have a original historic application you know isn't it true that most of the time we read the bible like it was just written right to us and and we find ourselves thinking well how does this really work for me i don't really know well maybe it doesn't that might be shocking to some people but you know as as someone has said the bible was written for us, but it was not written to us in the sense that it there was an audience that was intended. You know, when especially in the gospels, you think of the gospels, the gospels are recording things that Jesus said to people that were right in front of him. Now of course we many of those things, of course, they they have a broader and a a more distant application. I'm not saying that we don't take that and we don't apply it to ourselves. But what I am saying is that before we do that, before we just assume that this verse is just written for me, let's see it in its context and let's think about, well, what did it say to those that originally received it? Here's, Here's a quick example. Jesus is talking to these men. There's 11 of them now because Judas has defected. But Jesus says this to them, and this has been perplexing to so many people. Jesus says, the works that I do, you will do greater works than these because I go to the Father. How many have read that and thought, gosh, how do we do greater works than Jesus? And if we're going to do greater works in Jesus, how come we don't see a whole lot of that going on around us? I mean, how come we're not raising the dead? How come everybody who's sick, they're not coming in and we're just laying hands on them and healing them? And how come when we have a deficiency, we're not just making more bread and fish and all of that sort of stuff? Well, let's stop for a second. Who was Jesus talking to? He's talking to these men right in front of him. And these men would essentially do what he said They would do it because that was part of their apostolic calling and it was their apostolic credential. And so we read in the book of Acts and they did stuff like that. So there's a woman named Dorcas. She's a great gal and she makes all kinds of wonderful things and she dies. Everybody's sad. But they hear Peter's in town. So Peter comes over and what does he do? He goes up and he lays hands on her just like Jesus did with a young girl and he says daughter arise and she raises from the dead and so we see what jesus said being worked out in the book of acts and so we realize okay jesus was saying that specifically to them and not to say that it can't occasionally have a broader application the lord might speak it and say i'm going to do this right now but my point is in order to be genuinely scripturally informed we must consider the context So we're not misunderstanding and then misapplying and then acting unwisely rather than wisely. Now, Christian people with the mind of Christ, and that's, we all have the mind of Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus today, you have the mind of Christ. We should be known for our love, our humility, our grace our peace, and our wisdom. Christians should be people that even non-Christians look at and think, well, it seems like they kind of know how to do it. Seems like they kind of know how you're supposed to live. And when we do apply the mind of Christ to our lives, and we do live accordingly, People look on and people are, they are impressed. You know, God said this to Israel. God said to Israel, there's no nation on the face of the earth that has a God that's so near to them, who works on their behalf. God wanted Israel to be an advertisement to the rest of the nations for who he was and what it was like to be his people. So the other nations could say, hey, we want in on that. We want to be part of the people of God too. Now that's exactly what God intends for the church as well. So since we have the mind of Christ, we ought to expect that our behavior is going to be marked by wisdom. And if we look around at the church and we think that I don't think we're doing a good job manifesting wisdom to the world around us today. We don't have people lining up saying, hey, tell us about that. Quite the contrary. We have people saying, what's the matter with these Christians? They've kind of lost their mind. We thought they cared about X, Y, and Z, but it seems that they, no, they just really care about these other things that seem inconsistent. So, You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Not you're going to get the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Presently. So let's realize it. And let's live it out. And let's remember what it looks like. That it's a calm mind. Because we're trusting the Lord. That it's the mind that's not set on myself and my own thing, but my concern is for others. It's the mind of Christ that manifests itself in gentleness and in humility. It's the mind of Christ that's scripturally informed and spirit enlightened. Now, in conclusion, come back around to God's wisdom that is based in the cross, as Peterson's paraphrase says, this wisdom didn't come from reading books or going to school. Now, this is not to say we shouldn't read books or go to school. It's just, again, the reality is we're talking about something supernatural here. It's the wisdom of the kingdom, and we must be part of the kingdom in order to receive it. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 3. Remember there, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He's, He's one of the people that everybody around him is going to be looking to him like, okay, you're one of those wise people. You tell us things about God we need to know so we can do them. That's how Nicodemus would have been viewed. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Nobody could do the things that you're doing unless God was with them. But so he just said, I don't get it. And Jesus sort of chides him. He says, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't get these things? But then Jesus goes on to tell him why. He says, you must be born again. And you know, literally born again is you must be born from above. You must be born from above because unless you're born from above, you can't even perceive the kingdom. That's what Paul's saying. This wisdom is inaccessible to those who are outside the kingdom. You've got to be born into the kingdom And Jesus will go on to refer to it as, you've got to be born of the spirit. So that goes back to what Paul is saying here, that it's about the spirit, the spirit of God. We have the mind of Christ because we're indwelt by the spirit of Christ. And that is true for everyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so I trust that, Most everyone here has probably done that. But if there happens to be anyone that's with us that hasn't put your faith and trust in Christ, and maybe you're trying to figure it out. Maybe you're, you know, you kind of seen some things and heard some things. And maybe, you know, some of your, you have some Christian friends, and maybe that's how you ended up here. And you're, you're wondering about this, but you're still it's fuzzy. You can't write, you can't really grasp it. You have to be born of the spirit. The lights have to come on, and they will come on. The moment you say, Lord, take me, I'm yours. Lord, here I am. Here's my life. And then the life of the Spirit possesses you, and you now have the mind of Christ, and you begin to understand, and you begin to grow, and then you... Become that person who is gentle and humble and servant-oriented and calm and gracious and loving and kind and wise through the power of the Spirit.
0: the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. The world is constantly challenging the rationality of the Christian faith and the validity of the existence of God. As Christians, we're faced not only with skepticism and doubt, but also with genuine inquiry. The book, Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little, provides clear and understandable answers to why the Christian faith is rational and how the existence of God is valid. He also addresses other questions that both Christians and non-Christians alike puzzle over. Questions such as, is Jesus really God? Is the Bible historically reliable? Are miracles really real? If God does exist, then why is there so much suffering and evil in the world? If you want your questions like these answered, or to be able to answer questions of others, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you,